Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 704 High School Highlight. I'm Jeff Taylor with Bayhackle Sports. This podcast, of course, is a part of Bayhackle Sports, and we're so excited. Here it is, episode number three, and for a lot of you who have followed us so far, you may be wondering why we aren't in our studio. Well, we're here at the Big South Conference and their studio, which, by the way, is fantastic, and we're joined by the Commissioner Kyle Collander. Got it right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Got it. And um, thank you so much for your time. And... Um, for those out there who may be wondering why we're here, we kind of have a little special thing going on with Bay Heckle Sports in the Big South. Can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely right. And we're so pleased with the support that we get from Bay Heckle Sports and WCCB and partnering with the Big South Conference once again for the second year in a row uh, on uh, the Hercules Tires Big South Conference Basketball Championships. And we're so pleased to have a great partner like this in Charlotte to help us really Tell the story of the Big South Conference. Tell the story of our basketball championships coming up and the importance of being involved in Charlotte and, and getting people to uh, to know what we're doing and to come out and support us and, and to be a part of what we're trying to do. So I, I so the partnership is awesome. It's you know, We're so pleased to be able to, to uh, circle back with you all again and, and appreciate the support. Well, I know on our end, we're so excited. I mean, I've seen the basketball action. I've seen what this conference means to this area, so I know that we're just we're thrilled about it. So that's awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk to me a little bit about your journey um, in terms of, if I'm correct, the Big South has been around for about 40 years? Yeah, we were formed in 1983. And you've been the commissioner for 27 of them, correct? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm the third commissioner of the Big South Conference. This is my 27th and final year, by the way. Uh, but uh, I started out, uh, as any young person does, going to college and having great, uh, great thoughts and ambitions about what I wanted to do. That changed about five times while I was an undergraduate. Of course. <laughs> um, actually thought about sports medicine at one point, you know, okay. but decided I wasn't smart enough for that. <laughs> so, uh, but I realized at that point that there was such a thing as a sports administration graduate degree, and so I went that route and was very fortunate to, uh, to get an internship at my alma mater, which was University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, resulted ultimately in a full-time job and, and uh, so while I was at University of Washington I did a number of different things and tried to expand my responsibilities and my knowledge to make myself more valuable and um, I did compliance, I did marketing, all kinds of things. But I was always interested in conference work at that point in time. We were part of the Pac-10 at that point in time and uh, my boss who's uh, now 100 years old, still going strong, wow. uh, Mike Lude, the AD there, great mentor, um, knew everybody in the business and was able to help me get a job at the old Southwest Conference uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, which was Texas, Texas A&M, Houston Rice, Baylor, you know, every, right. all the big schools in Texas at that point in time. Uh, Texas can have its own conference. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't last. Right. So, um, so I was there for four years. After two years, they announced they were dissolving. Four of the schools were going with the Big 8 to form the Big 12 at that point in time and uh, ended up actually being the final commissioner of the Southwest Conference, which was, I was one of the last people there, and so they had to have somebody run it because our boss, my boss at that time, Steve Hatchell, left the Southwest Conference to, uh, to start the Big 12, and, and so I was, I, I thought it would be a great opportunity, even though it was a strange year in some ways, especially at the end where we're closing up shop at the Southwest, uh, it was a great experience for me, and I was very fortunate that this job came open 
right as we were winding things up there, came to the Big South, and I've been here for 27 years. So that was my circuitous path, path here, but it's been an outstanding experience. Big South Conference is a wonderful group of institutions. What's made it special for me and, and for so many are the people uh, and the support of what we're trying to do in the conference here. And, uh, and it's, it's been a wonderful run in 27 years of working with those, uh, those programs and institutions. That's awesome. When you talk about your 27 years, and I've lived in Charlotte for 23 now, just the changes that have occurred across the skyline of Charlotte and the sports scene in Charlotte, but the Big South itself, can you talk about just some of those changes that you've seen over your, your years? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's of course, it's the changes just in the last five years are pretty, right. pretty <laughs> stunning. But um, when I came, uh, actually the day I interviewed for this job, um, we had only six schools that were committed to the Big South Conference at that point in time. And in fact, UNBC, which was a member at that point, announced they were leaving. So UNCG had already announced they were leaving. UNBC announced they were leaving. And so membership has always been an agenda item for us. Right. Uh, and it's just the nature of Division One sports. I mean, I experienced that, obviously, in the Southwest Conference. So right. it's just if you're going to be in Division One, you're going to see movement, you see realignment, and that's kind of been part of the deal. So uh, so that was uh, number one charge. Number, the second charge was generating revenue and helping to support our institutions. And, uh, and so we've done that over the years. We feel really good about where we've uh, – we've done in terms of membership and growing and and adjusting to the marketplace out there as it were and uh, and feel like we've really built something special real solid and and you know providing the opportunities for our student athletes because that ultimately is what it's all about so feel good you know we're one of the few conferences that is a bus league and I use that as a term of endearment right because you know you're saving so much money you're saving so much in missed class time uh, you're building rivalries because you've got schools that are in, in the same geographic footprint. You can, you can, fans can travel easily to the different locations. And so it's really been something that I, I say it's built to last because we're, we're smart about how we've done membership here in the Big South. And, and our schools are very similar, very similar size, similar resources. And so it's been, it's been great to work with in that regard. So um, we've seen a lot of change, obviously, in the membership front. Uh, seen a lot of change uh, over, the, over time just in terms of technology, revenue, right. opportunities, those kind of things. When I came to the Big South Conference, we didn't have a website. I mean, that's, you know, 27 years it, 20, ago. I mean, it's, it's strange know, it to right, think that, but you're right. It was right but, around but that right. time. Absolutely. It, was, it was only a couple of years, I think, before that, when I was at the Southwest, I saw the Internet for the first time. Right. So, um, so we, we went from building a uh, website and having a presence on the Internet to starting a streaming program, which we actually tried to start that right around 99, 2000, okay. because there were businesses at that point that were starting to dabble in video, online right. streaming, those kind of things. But of course, the dot-com bubble burst, and so all of that went away. And, but we kind of recircled, and, and in 2005, we launched the Big South Network. And we were one of the first conferences to have, uh, have, a, have a network. I think the Big Ten had their network out there. Of course, that was cable. Right. Uh, but we were, uh, we were one of the first to do it digitally. And, and that grew and built, and, and ultimately, it, it served us well because we ended up selling that to ESPN when we did our last deal. Um, and taking all the content. They wanted our content for ESPN Plus, which was their new venture. Their new venture. At that point in time in 2018. So that, that service really. So the technology is just unbelievable. And then, of course, all the changes now with name, image, and likeness and student-athlete uh, uh, 
empowerment and, and enhancement, which a lot of that is really good. I think in some cases we've gone too far. I was, uh, so I do worry about it a little bit, but. I was going to ask, and yeah. you can feel free to, you know, next question. Yeah. But for me, you know, I, I have three sons who are 24, 21, and 18. Um, and my 18-year-old played football. Um, but we knew he wasn't really, you know, probably good enough to go to the next level. But some of his friends are. But when you talk about the NIL deal and you talk about the transfer portal, I, it, for me as a dad to see kids who have worked so hard, I, I don't want to say it's taking away – maybe taking away from the purity of the college game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just your thoughts on the NIL and maybe mm-hmm. the transfer, transfer portal. Well, I've been a fan for a long time of student-athletes being able to monetize in some form their name, image, and likeness. Even back when I was at the University of Washington working in marketing and we were handing out trading cards of our players and things like that, I'm thinking, you know, it it would make some sense for our student-athletes to benefit from some of this. So I I think there's – I support it in in terms of student-athletes having that opportunity because other students can do that. They can go out and and sell their name, image, and likeness. Where I get concerned is – now we're getting into endorsements, and even though you're not supposed to be utilizing it for inducements and recruiting, it's happening out there. And we, and we knew it would unless we could really control it. But the problem is that the litigious society we're in now has really, um, really handcuffed us in terms of how we're able to generate and create rules and enforce those rules because every time we turn around, somebody's filing another lawsuit, and conferences in the NCAA are spending millions upon millions upon millions of dollars just to defend themselves. So that's why we've kind of gotten to this place where we're at, why we're looking for some help from Congress right now, because unless we have some kind of safe harbor, as it were, we have a tough time um, creating and enforcing rules. So so I'm, I'm supportive to a point, but to your earlier, earlier point, I am very concerned about college athletics and its distinction from professional athletics. Right. And so I think the thing that may has made college special is that it is not pros. It, it's, you know, if you want to make money, if you want to be paid, go to the pros. I, you know, I have no problem. No problem with somebody going from high school to the pros, go get paid. If you can do it, you can make it, great. Uh, but there, in college, yes, there's a lot of money in it now, and I understand, you know, student-athletes' interest in, in, in getting more of that, and we want to support them as best we can. Um, we have to carve out a, a place for us where that is different from professional athletics because that's what makes college special. It does. It, for me, it's just that purity level. It's just that, you know, it's, it's Saturday afternoons and it's just – and you're right. So it just it, – it's that fine line and it's just something that I, I struggle with. But yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. A little bit about the transfer portal too. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, we've always been opposed to relaxing the transfer rules. Uh, when I say we, the Big South Conference, our membership, uh, to the point where there are now where there's, there's no loyalty really. There's no, um, there's no developing a program where you've, you can count on the fact that most of your team is going to be coming back and you can grow to have an upper-class-led uh, led team and program. I mean, when you look at, speaking from the Big South perspective, when you look at underdogs that have been successful, the Cinderella's and the NCAA basketball championships, uh, usually from the smaller programs, they were teams that had upper-class leadership. Right. Uh, student-athletes had been in the programs for a while. And five and seniors the on the ones, floor. Five yeah, seniors on the floor. Yeah, those are the ones that were able to go. They were experienced. They know the program. They're able to compete against the big boys and, and upset a few of them in, in, at that level. Now, you know, our best teams, I think 10 of our top 15 players from last year transferred. Right. And some of that was happening before the portal. Sure. I mean, we understood right. that. 
but now it's just so much easier. And so it's just you're just rebuilding a program every year. I mean, you're seeing teams that are in basketball, they're not even recruiting high school uh, seniors anymore. Uh, they are only uh, recruiting transfers. Right. And I just, you know, that's our schools do such a great job and our coaches do such a great job in identifying talent, recruiting that talent, bringing them to campus. And some of them are sleepers, diamonds in the rough. Sure. And they're spending a lot of resources to develop those student athletes. And then so you get them as a freshman and then they're gone. Right. And so it's just, I don't, I don't like that program. I'd like to have more controls around it, but it is what it is at this point. I'm not right. sure there's any going back. On a better note, in terms of the Big South, you know, we talk about Charlotte and we talk about North Carolina. And we talk about conferences, people talk about the ACC and the SEC. Sure. And even the Sun Belt now a little bit with App State and stuff like that. What are people missing out on when they don't think about the Big South in terms of competition, the kids that are there, the programs that you have? What are people missing out on? Well, kind of go back to what we were just talking about, the purity of college athletics. You see a lot more of that in the Big South, I think, than you do in, in some other places. Um, don't get me wrong. We'd all love to have more money to be able to sure. you know, fund our programs. And, and But but our kids, yes, they have pro, pro aspirations, but they're also, you know, they also uh, understand where they are. And they are, they are in college to get an education. They are in college to make sure that they are set for life. And we talk about... Um, where winners are made in the Big South Conference. And it's not just about winning on the court or on the field, or, uh, uh, but it's also about winning in the classroom. It's also about winning in the community. It's also about developing our student-athletes to be successful in life. So, um, so that's what the Big South is about. And I think you have a little bit more of a purity uh, at the Big South and the Big South institutions because we are really, we are really focused on on the collegiate experience and not as much on, you know, how are we going to spend these huge millions of dollars coming in for media contracts, you know, to, to build putting greens and slides and other things in our locker rooms. Uh, it's about those student-athletes and the people who support those student-athletes uh, to be, again, successful currently in their college career and their successful life. But don't get me wrong, the, the level of athletics is really good right. in the Big South Conference. Uh, and, you know, with the Hercules Tires Basketball Championships coming up, this is high-level Division One basketball. It's March Madness that's in Charlotte. Uh, that is the only one this, this year. You know, they're, they're, the ACC's not in Charlotte. Right. The CIAA isn't in Charlotte. Uh, so it's the only um, basketball champion, Division One men's basketball champions and women's basketball championships that are taking place in Charlotte. And so it's – it's, you know, and it's win or go home. And the excitement level is, is so high and the, the athletic achievement is so high. I think last year we had four or five overtime games. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I think it was. You know, so it was just really incredible basketball. And, uh, and I'm really proud of the athletic achievement. And, but we're able to have that within the construct of the Big South Conference and what's really important, which is making sure our student athletes are successful. Let's expand on the basketball championship here a little bit. Bojangles Coliseum. Could pick anywhere to go, but that historic building, yeah. which has had basketball played in it forever, I think, or whatever, to be there. Um, just talk to me a little bit, little bit about that week um, for, for families to come out, yeah. um, for just people to travel here to Charlotte and stuff. What will people see over those three or four days? Yeah, well, you talk about Bojangles. I think Elvis may still be in the building. I mean, <laughs> he I mean, might I've very heard, well be. I, I've heard all the stories, you know, <laughs> when we first went back there last year about, oh, I remember seeing the ACC, you know, uh, championship here in 1958 or whatever it was. I, I saw Elvis here. I saw the Beatle, you know, whoever it was. Uh, great stories from the building. But they've done a great job upgrading it. It's very modern now. It's a great place to go and watch basketball. Um, so it's... 
it's a, it's an exciting week. It really is. We have both our men's and women's tournaments there at the same time. So uh, we start on March 1st, uh, which is Wednesday, go through March 5th, Sunday for the men's and women's championship games. Uh, it's, it's, again, high-level basketball. Uh, it's wall-to-wall, back-to-back. We have four games on, I think, the first four days mm-hmm. and then the two championship games the final day. And the, the cost is just cheap as can be. I mean, it's, it's great family entertainment. Yeah, it's a $20 ticket most days. It gets you in all four games. Uh, I mean, you can't afford not to take advantage of that. So it's, it's, really, it's really affordable. It's very family-friendly. And it's, again, it's March Madness. It's the beginning of the tournament. Right. Because, you know, you get into championship week, and you're beginning the elimination process. And so there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of intensity, a lot of emotion and excitement. And, uh, and again, great basketball. Cool. We talk about, and obviously the 704 high school highlight, we normally focus on high school. So let me ask you this a little bit. We talk about Charlotte and the surrounding area. Just talk to me over the, the, the 27 years that you've been the commissioner, um, the, the talent, how that's increased in our area throughout the years and what you've seen, and, and not only basketball, but across the board. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been unbelievable. It really is. I mean, Charlotte does have a history of producing great high school athletes, uh, but you see the resources have been put into athletic programs at the high school level, uh, the expertise, the specialty. Um, it's really been impressive to see the development. Um, certainly, I think you notice uh, maybe basketball a little bit more, but on the football side, it's really been impressive. And you know, Big South Conference has always had outstanding baseball as well at right. the Division One level. In fact, we have a national champion in baseball in our history. And and you've seen some great, great baseball coming out of the Charlotte area as well. So it's just really been impressive to me. I had you know, a son who grew up and went through the, um, the high school scene here. And to be able to see, this was probably 10, 15 years ago, to see where it was. And then even from then to now, it's really been impressive. Uh, so the support uh, that is taking place at that level is really, really incredible. We talk about the basketball championship being played at Bojangles, but that's not the only championship you guys have in our area, correct? No, that's right. That's right. Well, we have. When other sports. Yeah, yeah. We have 19 sports. And um, uh, was so tennis, what, tennis was played here, wasn't it? Tennis will be here. It'll be in Marion Deal okay. uh, uh, courts there again. This is the second year we're doing it at Marion Deal. Nice courts there. Uh, we have women's soccer that uh, was back in the sportsplex. In right, Matthews. Matthews. Uh, and that's we've done that for a number of what years. What a great complex, a too. Great that place complex. is, yeah. There really is. And so those are the two. Uh, we have a number of them that take place on campus. Right. Uh, and so our, our schools host a number of the Big South Conference championships. But those are the ones that immediately come to mind that are here in the Charlotte area. And we've talked about that. It's important to try to have a presence in Charlotte with, uh, with some of our championships. So we've talked about we bring cross-country here because the cross-country courses are great, McAlpine Park and other places. Um, and, um, and so we are always looking to, to potentially bring more championships to the Charlotte area. Cool. Um, in your 27 years, is there a moment that sticks out as like your your favorite moment, or is yeah. it just all you know all run together, or is there maybe one special one that kind of like hit home with you? Yeah, there are, there are some great moments. I mean, obviously it's hard to pick one, and it kind of depends on are you talking about athletic success, or are you talking about other kinds of achievements? You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways you can go, but you'd have to look back. I think it was the 2007. Uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship where Winthrop beat Notre Dame in the first round. You know, that was like our first big NCAA tournament win. 
uh, and that was real special because Winthrop had they'd been so close. Of course, that was Greg Marshall days, and and he had been uh, winning on a regular basis the year before. They came within a last second shot by Tennessee to knock them out, and they came back the next year and, and won that game. So the build up for him to build that program and for Winthrop to do a great job with that and then finally break through right. was a pretty special moment. And then the, I think it was the year after that, um, Liberty women went to the uh, Sweet 16. Sweet 16, uh-huh. And, which was an awesome, awesome run for them. And so that's the first, I think, the only time we've had a, a basketball team achieve the Sweet 16. So. so if I'm correct, Greg Marshall had some days at Randolph-Macon College. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. So that's where I went to school. <laughs> so I go. knew Greg, there you go. and yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I I followed Greg all through that that time because um, it was special it, yeah. to see them make that run was pretty cool. Um, in terms of, um, you know, we know that this is your last year with the conference. Um, do you? I guess at the end of the day, you've given them all you can. Do you feel like you've left them in the best spot? They could be in as a conference. I, I feel like there's more to do. You know, I, I'd like to. I'd like to be able to expand our membership a little bit more. I'd like to be able to make some some uh, additional achievements through revenue generation and marketing and sponsorship. And uh, we have a strategic plan that is very aggressive. It, a lot of it's focused around success in basketball, um, which is why we talk a lot about it and really focus on it. Uh, and so we want to try to continue to push and achieve that. So. I got six months left, and it's really important to, to keep pushing and keep achieving some things. I do think it's in a good place. I th I'm really bullish on the Big South and our membership and what we're doing uh, to support each other and support the league. So uh, I feel great about it. It's really hard to think about retiring at this point because we do have so much left to do right. here and, and uh, a lot left. Uh, but I'm sure we get down to May or June, and it'll be, uh, it'll be kind of an interesting time at that point. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited again, very excited about the future of the Big South Conference. So we always kind of end our end our podcast with kind of a not a hot topic, but just something that kind of you know is is relevant to today or something. And you know, um, the Monday night game between the Bills and the Bengals, we saw uh, Demar Hamlin in that situation that went down. And I know as I watched it, um, first of all, my heart sunk, and I was watching it with my wife, and uh, my kids were texting me, going, you know, we're sitting here just kind of trying to take it all in, and. You know, our prayers and thoughts to him and that entire uh, organization, his family, and, and both everybody who was there who had to watch what went down. In terms of, as the broadcast went on, and kudos to ESPN for how they handled it. Um, the, their studio, their sideline, Lisa Salters, it was just um, unbelievable. As somebody who's been in media for a long time, I go back to when Dale Earnhardt Sr. died and how Fox had to kind of walk through all of that yeah. gingerly or something. But as I was on social media, which is a good thing, a bad thing, but, and, and even in, you know, the questions were, when's the game going to stop? When are they going to cancel it? When are they just going to say enough's enough? And, you know, I, I knew that they were doing the, the CPR on him and I could see Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and all the, 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 just the tears from these warriors. I mean, you knew something was bad, but everybody kept going, call it already, call it already, call it already. As a commissioner of the big South, um, and I don't know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, was Hank Gathers, was that, that, he, that wasn't Big South, was it Loyola? No, okay. No, um, okay. He, was, he was out at the West Coast Conference. Got it, okay, cool. Um, but when I think about um, that and last night, and I think about yourself being a commissioner, there's got to be more to it. I think people are like, yeah. let's snap our fingers and call the game. Right. There's got to be a lot more to something like that. You've got 75,000 people in a stadium. You've got a nationally televised game, one of the most important games of the season. 
you've got 101 things going through your head, I guess? Well, you do, and there's a lot of different stakeholders that you've got to be concerned about when you're making those kind of decisions. Uh, so when it, when it became apparent of the severity of the injury, I, it wasn't really any question in my mind that they wouldn't play the game at that point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, in spite of what, what was maybe being discussed at that point in time on, uh, on the air. Uh, and in, in social media these days, people are looking for immediate decisions and immediate, you know, responses, and, and it, it, it takes time. So uh, you've got the league, you've got the Players Association, you've got the teams, you've got the venue, you've got your television partner, uh, you've got all these people that you've got to make sure you're communicating with. I mean, they, they probably were all kind of in the same place. I mean, it, obviously it takes some time to really – understand the situation. Grasp what was going on, absolutely. Uh, and so the teams, obviously, it was really, as far as I'm concerned, it was really up to how they felt. And when it, be again, became apparent how serious it was, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine they would want to go back out there. Um, so you're trying to communicate with them uh, to understand what they're thinking and feeling. Then you're trying to work through, you know, the NFL can't do anything without NFLPA's approval. Right. So you've got to go through and get that. Uh, so then, but then you got to begin talking about, and, and I don't mean to sound callous because all the focus is and should be on the, on the, the player sure. and his health and safety. Uh, but then you got to be thinking about, okay, what are the ramifications of canceling this game in terms of when might it be played and, and other things. And you just want to make sure you know what all the consequences are going to be from your action before you, you know, get out there publicly. And then you got to make sure that what you're doing, that you're communicating with all these people before you make any kind of public statement. You can't go out there with a public statement without having communicated internally with all the right stakeholders. So I would, it does not surprise me it took a little time to kind of get to that place and that point because really it was a good, you know, probably ten minutes. I mean, how long was he before he was in the hospital? It took a while, you know, to kind of – it was a good 15 minutes really or so before they right. Yeah, where things were. So um, it takes time to just communicate and, and make all those decisions. They did the right thing, no question. But um, it, it takes some time to be able to kind of make sure that, again, you've communicated with everybody and, and uh, before you can go public with, uh, with the final announcement. Cool. Thanks for your insight there. Thank you for your time, Commissioner. But let's end on a good note. Um, so the basketball tournament is March. First through fifth. At Bojangles Coliseum. People want tickets. They can yep. go go to Ticketmaster uh, through the Bojangles Coliseum. Our all of our schools are selling tickets. So if you're a fan, have affinity for one of the schools, you can go through the school ticket office as well to buy those. Again, there it's very affordable. Great family entertainment. Twenty bucks for four games in a day. Uh, I think the the ticket book for the entire week is around a hundred dollars. So you know you can get all the basketball you want. Division one, March Madness. It's a great experience. Great opportunity to, to be a part of it. Cool. Awesome. Great. Commissioner, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time. And of course, you can check out Bay Hackle Sports. We'll be walking, you know, with them throughout the next couple of months as we lead up to that basketball tournament, the Big South uh, at Bojangles Coliseum. We're looking forward to our relationship with the conference. And we're going to do some special things over the next couple of months. So keep up with Bay Hackle Sports and WCCB. And until next time, have a great week. Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered.